Amen. Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you have mixed emotions or you feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster? So you come to church and we're praising and worshiping and start feeling a little anxious or nervous because pastor texted me that I was going to preach. And then he said, how many of you guys are excited to hear the word? And then I calmed down and then I remembered, oh, it's supposed to be me. <laughs> so that happens and then he calls us up so it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> but no, I'm very thankful. I'm very, very thankful for this church, for pastor, this fellowship, and I'm sure you'll hear more about it as we continue on tonight. But if you're here today and you're awake, I want you to look to your neighbor and say, what do you see? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. That can get you in trouble or it could, it could help you. So really, I was just thinking about what, what do we see? And there was a time where me and my wife we went to conference. I think we had Bria with us. And for whatever reason, we had to leave early, early morning when it was still dark. I don't know if I had to work or maybe she had something Saturday. So we left and I wear contacts and I didn't have my contacts that day. So it was at night. So I'm squinting. I'm trying to see. I have the GPS. But, you know, sometimes when you're driving home from conference, you're in those little towns that you lose service. So we're driving and this looks like the exit. That looks like the exit. And before we know it, we're like two hours in the wrong direction. Yeah. Oh, no, for me, my wife was sleeping good. But so we're driving, and, and as we continue to drive, obviously the lights come on, the sun is out, and now it's a little easier to see without my contacts. But it gets us to, in a spiritual sense, how many of us know that if we're walking in the natural, we're walking in the flesh, we don't necessarily see what God wants us to see. We, we can squint our way through things, and, and what it appears may not always be what it is. And there's times where... In the natural, you can see somebody who, oh, man, they look like they'll never get it. Or, man, I've witnessed to this person. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. And it's just like, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what else. But when we look in the spiritual, God's always working. God's always doing something. And, it, and you might be in this place, and that was you, that everybody was just like, man, there's probably no hope for this person. Or you may be here in this place, and you feel the same way. But by the end of this night, I believe that you'll be able to get a good idea of how God views you. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for an opportunity to just share your word, Lord God, and hear your word, Lord. And I pray that you will speak through each and every one of us, Lord God, myself included. And we just thank you that your presence is in this place and you continue to move. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to be out of the NLT it's a little easier to just read. So it says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. It says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And having the mind of Christ is so important. It's so important if we want to be faithful witnesses, if we want to have, if we want to be hope givers to people. You see that you may be in this place and, and you have a coworker or you have a friend, and it's just like 
you can be discouraged. Maybe you try to witness to that person and it just goes bad or you just, they brush you off or they look at you crazy and, and it's easy to be discouraged. I know whenever I met Pastor, I don't know how he felt, but I know he sees things in the spiritual. But when he first met me, we're at 24-hour fitness. We played. We'd be on the same team. But my mouth definitely wasn't saved, and neither was my heart. So I did a lot of crazy things, but there was never a time where I felt like Pastor was just like, man, this guy's crazy. I didn't even know he was a pastor at the time. He was just a good friend. And as time went on, there was a time he invited me to church. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go. But there was never a time where I felt like he just was looking down on me like this guy is hopeless. And how many of us could be in those situations? How many times do we see people and we just feel like, okay, I'm going to just pray for him. But God may want you to go speak to them, not just pray for him. A lot of times you hear faith without works is dead. Sometimes we have to put action to the faith. But in, in, this, in this life that we're living, we, we know that there's people who, we know we live in a fallen world. We know that this world is moving opposite from God as fast as possible. But we also know that God wants every soul to be saved. God wants every soul to be saved. And it's important as believers that we're doing what God says, not what society says. You know, society and the news, they, their job is to shape your mind a certain way. They feed off deception. They feed off of fear because those things sell. I remember earlier this year, the high school that I coach at uh, with David as well, we were going to Virginia. And, and on our way to where we were going to play at, we'd have to drive through D.C. And one of the parents was saying she was concerned about us making the trip. We were flying into Baltimore and then we we're going to drive to D.C. because she was seeing on Capitol Hill, there was riots, and there was this, and there was that, and, and all kinds of stuff. And I told her, I said, well, I'm going to call the director who's there right now and get a feel for how things are going. So the director said, hey, we've been here for a week. We're outside of D.C. Everything is fine. Everybody's safe. So I told, I told the parent, and she was just, she was real worried. And she was like, well, my dad's been reading the L.A. Times, and it's saying that it's like this in D.C., and I was like, L.A. is pretty far from D.C. <laughs> but, if you want, but if you want that to shape your mind, you're going to see whatever you want to see. If you, if you want to watch the news all day long, I wouldn't recommend that. But you'll, you'll, you'll think everybody's hopeless. You'll think everything is negative. You'll think everybody hates each other. You'll think everybody's racist if that's what you want to look at. But that's not what God says in his word. That's not how, what God wants us to do. And we have to get to the point as believers where we're focusing solely on what scripture says. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is inspired by God to teach us and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And, and, and as Christians are there's times where some people, they get so caught up in what society thinks. And then they form their own opinion of what the Bible says in their own mind. And we know that we're always supposed to go to God with everything. And we have to be careful because we can, we can have our boldness to witness be shaken if we're too caught up in what the world is saying. 
We know we're called to be different. We're called, we're called to be light in this dark world. And if we're not careful, the, the enemy is trying at all ages. Today I picked up my daughter from school, and, and me and my wife, we already plan on her not going to school tomorrow, but this was just confirmation. She said, Daddy, tomorrow, I was like, Bria, you're not going to school tomorrow. She was like, why? I was like, you get to hang out with me. And she was like, no, I want to go to school. And I was like, why? She said, tomorrow is the Easter bunny party. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> That's why she's not going to school. But it's one of those things where a lot of that stuff seems playful and fun and this and that until you get indoctrinated with that stuff. And then, then it's not just a party. It's just a, well, this is what I want to do. I don't, I don't care too much about what Jesus did on the cross. I want Easter eggs. And so until she's at the age where she can speak clearly and explain what she believes in, She's not going to the Easter egg party or whatever it's called. We'll listen to worship songs and go to the park. But, it, but it's one of those things where if you're not careful, and I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but that's just what I felt led to do. But if you're not careful with those things, it'll shape how you view things. It'll shape the importance of the things of God. It'll, 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 it'll help you. It'll make you look past that. That's not a big deal. That's, that's not a big, uh, Christians can do that. It don't matter if you take a sip or do this or do that. That's not what God calls us to do. And as, as we continue on, I know just going on with that mindset and, and what we see, I believe we have an outreach coming up. As we know, we have a big Sunday coming up and we have an outreach. It's, an, it's important that we are coming, reading the word with a clear mind and not going off of, well, I don't know if I can reach this person or you know what this person's probably not going to receive it well for me or this person uh, I think I think Brenda would do better talking to this person than me uh, I don't know if if he wants to hear from me let me ask John that's not how God calls it to be because we're we're not in control of people's reactions or people's responses we're called to speak I'm sure whenever I was cussing people out at the gym, pastor, it probably never crossed it. Well, well, I probably shouldn't witness to this guy. He just did what he felt led to do. And some years later, look where I am. Look where we are. Look where everybody is because of his faithfulness and his boldness. Amen. And a lot of times we can get to the point where we overthink things when it comes to, to speaking or, or not seeing, not looking at what we see in the natural, but looking in the spiritual, sometimes we overthink things because we put too much emphasis on our words and not enough on what the Holy Spirit can do when he's dealing with a person. If you can open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It said, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone, everyone, even that one, everyone, but be able to teach and be patient with people who are easy to get along with, with your best friends, with, oh, my contacts are in today. It looks like it says difficult people. <laughs> and in verse 25, it says, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Doesn't say we will. 
doesn't say we have to. It doesn't say if they don't accept, you're a failure. It says perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Amen. Praise God. And it said, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And just looking at that, and, and, and I know a lot of it saying, hey, when we go witness, we, we got to see what God can do in people. But most importantly, we can't forget what God did in us. So this, this week at school, our season's over with, so I had a meeting with all the seniors on our team and their parents and their families and was going over a plan for what's the next step. Everybody wants to play college basketball, so I'm calling coaches. I'm doing all kinds of things to help them fulfill their goals and their passions. And one of the families, I've known them for a long time. Um, his son is probably about to sign a, or commit to a school and sign a scholarship soon. And as I was talking to him, I was just saying, hey, when you go on this visit, you need to make sure you're serious. You need to make sure you're focused. You're, they think highly of you. You're 18 years old, and you're going to be on a team with guys who are 21, 22. You have to make them know that, you know what, we can count on this kid, even though he's young. And as I was telling his dad, I, the thought hit me, and I just laughed like, wow. Out of all people to say that, it was me. That tells you how God can really change and move in a person's life. I remember when I was in college and we used to have recruits on campus, coach would tell me don't come to the gym because he knows that I'm gonna say who knows what, I'll probably tell the kid don't come to the school. But so I went from the person who, who coach wouldn't trust to say anything to the person who's giving the kid advice. But not only that, most importantly, a coach couldn't trust me to speak up for his team or speak highly, but yet God could change my heart to be able to share his word. And, it, and it's not just me. All of us have similar testimonies in this place of, of just, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you see. Doesn't, it's, just, it's all a facade. This is all spiritual. And if you have the faith that God can save you, he can save the next person too. See, in the Bible, Moses, a lot of us know Moses, and he got the Ten Commandments. Moses killed a man before all of that. And the Bible said in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it said, I might have put the wrong verse. The verse I was looking at was, it's basically saying, I'll get the right verse later, but in Exodus chapter 33, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So the same Moses who, who killed a man and, and was hiding and running and, and running away from what God wanted him to do, that same Moses, when he decided to surrender, was able to speak with God like a friend. And just going back to that, just going back to the story of at the gym and how I met Pastor and the same guy that I used to look at is like, man, this, this is, I like playing with, I can't even say his name, it sounds weird, but I like playing with Pastor. <laughs> Before he was my Pastor, it, it just sounds weird, I can't even say his name. It starts with a, it starts with a B. 
<laughs> it starts with a B. But so playing with Pastor, it was like, man, he's, he's cool. He'll shoot. He always passed it to me, and I don't like to pass. So it was a perfect, a perfect team. But who knew that God would use him to touch my life in an amazing way? An amazing way to where he started as a friend, but he became a pastor, he became a mentor, he became a father figure, he became all of those things. And it wasn't, it wasn't that, yes, he, God used him to do those things. So a lot of times when we see a person who's, who's struggling or who's doing this or doing that, we have to say, you know what? God wants to do a work in that person's life because he's going to affect somebody else who is doing the same thing. Even though they might not be saved yet, we have to envision it and believe what God is, can do in their life. Amen? Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Say amen when you get there. And again, we're reading out of the NLT. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. How many of us were those people? Amen. It says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. God sees us with no fault at all. Can, can we really grasp that and, and imagine God looks at us as having no fault? No fault at all. And we know we, we definitely do things. Me and my wife, we had to give Bria a spank in the last couple of days because she had some faults. <laughs> but God looks at us as having no faults. And I won't get into what Bria did, but she's not always as sweet as y'all see her at church. <laughs> Amen. But just going back into looking at having no faults and, and just how God can change a person's life. I remember there was a time, there was a time in my life where I was, this is actually after I got saved and I was coaching and there was a kid who played for me at the time, he was a freshman. He played for me his freshman, sophomore year, then he stopped playing basketball after that. And I was really battling within myself at times, like, am I really making an impact or is it just basketball? And because even when, when, when I got saved and I told the pastor I was going to start a program, he was just like, oh, man, that'll be great. People are going to get saved. You're going to touch people for Jesus. And I was just like, uh, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> Amen. But but seriously, it, it was it was a thing where I didn't think I could do something like that or God could use somebody like that. I, I'm just happy I'm not cussing and drinking. But God did an amazing thing. And so fast forward, this kid, he stopped playing and life happens. So he just he called me up one time. This was maybe two years ago. And he was like, hey, coach, can we meet up? And now he's he's grown now. He's 21. So I was coaching him when he was 14, 15, 16. He was like, hey, coach, can we talk? So I was like, yeah. So we met at Chick-fil-A. And I could tell something was on his heart, but he just wouldn't speak. So I spoke, and I just shared my testimony and all the things that I've gone through and the things that God has delivered me from. And he was just listening. He was just like, thanks, coach. 
And that was probably about it that I heard from him for probably nine months. And then he called me. He's like, hey, coach, do you have time? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he was like, man, thank you so much for taking that time out to talk to me and, and share the gospel with me. And he was like, I was going through a rough patch. He was like, I was depressed. He was like, uh, my girlfriend, I had my girlfriend have an abortion. And I just felt like I was no different than my dad who wasn't there for me. And he was like, but that conversation changed me. And he was like, I gave my life back to Christ. He's like, I started serving in the church. He was like, I don't know what I want to do in life. Amen. He said, I don't know what I want to do in life, but I want to do something for Jesus. And, and he said he got his mom back in the church. And there was all kinds of things going on. And it was just like, wow. This, this same kid who somebody could be like, you know what, all these youth today, they're, they're lost, they're this, they're that, they're that. But no, God has a plan for each and every one of them. And, and it's our job as the adults to speak life into their situations. Amen. So just, just going on, just thinking of the, the amazing things, and this isn't to lift myself up because I know I'm not perfect in any way, but God can use the person that we feel like is just, man, they're so hard-headed. They're so, I was, I was, I guess I was hard-headed. You ask my wife, she might say I still am a little bit, but she is too. So, but it was one of those things when, when pastor invited me to church, I went. I didn't go far. I didn't leave the parking lot. I got right to the parking lot. I seen all those cars. I was like, man, I'm so up. I'm not about to fake it in here with these people. And little did I know what I was getting myself into. So I left, went home, drank on a Sunday morning. Who, who does that, even when you're in the world? But so, and then the pastor texted me and said, hey, how was service? So I was like, I didn't go. I was upset. I didn't want to fake it with a whole bunch of people I don't know, so I didn't go. And I always remember, he said, man, go next time. You never know what God can speak to you out of service. So I go the next time. Now, mind you, the time I didn't go, I was thinking it was like the churches that I was used to. That's going to be silent, no clapping, no hands raised, no amens, very little Jesus. <laughs> it's crazy. So, but I came, and I seen my friend. And I shook his hand, and I was like, okay, cool. I knew he was a good dude. He's the greeter. <laughs> so I go sit down, and then he starts to move a little bit from the door. I was like, okay, he just likes to sit at the front. So, and then as the service is going on, my eyes are already this big. Like, they're clapping, they're shouting, they're, when's the backflip come out? But it didn't. Not that day, it didn't. And as the service continues, I find out he's the pastor. And I was just like, wow. I was acting like this the whole time, and he was the pastor, and he didn't, he didn't say anything crazy to me. But it was one of those times, even after that, I didn't get saved that day. I didn't get saved that service. I continued to come back because there was something about this place. All the clapping was weird to me, but there was never a time where I felt like it was wrong or there was something, because I'm one of those, if I think it's weird, I'm just not coming back. But I knew there was something about this place. I knew, it was, I knew it was good, I just didn't understand it. Or I just didn't feel comfortable yet. And, and then even the hand raising part, it, it was, that was fine for those people. 
but I was okay with mine being down until I realized and, and I got saved and God just continues to work on you and work on you and work on you and he never stops working on you. And it, and it was one of those things where it's just like, how could I get to the point? And, I, and I'm not perfect. Like I said, I plan on coming to the outreach and I'm coming in with the mindset of, I'm going to try to speak to everybody. Now, there's not going to be that one that I let slip past. I'm like, well, I see Pastor Dwayne over there. He'll probably get him on that side. Like, because Pastor didn't do that to me. And whoever it was didn't do it to you. And it's like, who, who is that person that we walked past or that, that opportunity that we missed? Who, who could they be in God? And, and as, as I get ready to close, there was a time when one of my, one of my lowest points before I got saved, I was, I was battling a depression. And I just felt like every, everything, I was a failure to every, anybody who wanted to look at me. And I'll never forget, there was a rec center in Louisville. I used to go early in the morning, like when it just opened. And this is when I was still playing and trying to go play overseas. And I used to go in that gym, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. I would sit down, headphones in, and I would literally just cry and just feel like I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Everybody looks at me as a failure. My siblings are successful, and I'm the one holding everybody back. And, and at, even at that point, I didn't pray about it. I didn't think God could save him. God, God probably looking at me like, dude, I gave you all these chances. I gave you all these chances, and you wasted them. And that was a very low point, a very low point. And it wasn't until a guy invited me to church that I started to see, you know what, hey. And then some of that stuff started to leave, and, and then the depression stuff kind of left, but I just tried to replace it with other things, whether it was alcohol or whatever the case may be. And it wasn't until that God grabbed a hold of me. Remember, remember that verse, that verse that tells us about what we see in the, in the natural. That's not always the most important thing. That verse in, in 2 Timothy that we went over, it says, perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth and they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And God is so good that he's not just going to leave you there. He's not, he, not even when he saves you, he doesn't just leave you at the point where he saves you at. He still has so much more. He still, he still, not only is he working on you, but he's still protecting you. He's still blessing you. He's still working on you. It's not a, just a one time get saved and God forgets about you until you go to heaven. And, and, and he sees your heart. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows the things that even when I got saved and, and I knew my, my, me playing basketball and playing in different places was over with, he knew I still loved basketball. I had a passion for it, just like pastor still plays. And he brought us all up here that he met us on the court. So just, just looking back on it, I don't, I don't know, it was probably eight and a half, nine years ago that I was sitting in that rec center and, and crying and depressed. And in just a span of less than 10 years, he took me to starting or creating a basketball program at a school from scratch and playing on ESPN. And, and not only that, we, I was, we'll have opportunities to do it four or five times next year. And 
but that those things don't move me. It's the fact that God could take somebody who was hopeless, but it takes seeing, though. If pastor didn't have that vision, he's the same person who said, hey, man, you're going to use that program to to witness and, and share Jesus to kids. And, and I didn't see that. I was just like, man, I'm trying to make some money and I'm good at basketball training. I'll come to church. I don't know about men's discipleship. It's a little too early. That's what my mindset was at the time. And now men's discipleship is even earlier. <laughs> Amen. So it's one of those things where it's like, but he sees. So when we go back to the title and it says, what do you see? What do you see in the person next to you? What do you see in that coworker? What do you see in your family members that don't listen? Because if anybody didn't listen to my family, it was definitely me. But God sees more. God sees more. And just like that verse said in the beginning that we're to have the mind of Christ, we're supposed to see what Christ sees in others. If we can bow our head and close our eyes. There's hope, but we have to believe it to see it. We're in a fallen world that's heading fast in the wrong direction, but we serve a God that desires for all to be saved. But we know some will reject, but some will also accept. First Timothy chapter two says, beginning in verse four, it says, who saying that we serve a God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He, he, gave, he gave everything. And when we really think about that and we think about our walks and, and, the, and the things we go through, we, we always talk about on, on Wednesdays, hey, we're coming in with baggage, we're coming in with this, and this is our recharge. But at the end of the day, if we're really being honest with ourselves, what are we really recharging from compared to Christ who gave it all? Stress, work. He gave his life for each and every one of us. He saw more in us than, than we could ever see in ourselves. It's the, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our lowest moments, while we were cursing God, he died for us. He has a plan for each and every one of us in this place. But we have to believe it to see it. Just like Pastor Dwayne said, we've been talking about faith a lot lately in this church. And when you have faith, you believe. You believe first. You don't see first. We believe that Jesus can, can change our lives and can change anybody else's because we know that he died on the cross, that he, he took our place. The punishment that we deserve, he took it on his body so that we don't have to be condemned. We don't have to walk in condemnation, but we can, we can have hope. We can have joy. We can have peace. And if anybody's in this place tonight and, and you haven't experienced that peace, you haven't experienced that joy, you haven't experienced that born-again experience that can take you from darkness into light, I want to pray for you tonight. If you're in this place tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never made a public confession of your faith, I want you to 
lift up your hand, and, and I want to pray for you. Anyone in this place, whether, whether you've been, you've heard about Jesus, it doesn't matter if you've gone to church. I went to church the first 18 years of my life, and it meant nothing. I even, I even served in the church as a kid. But if God took me, I wouldn't have been ready. There's no way. I could, I, could, I could recite the Lord's Prayer, but that's about it. He didn't have a place in my heart. So if you're in this place tonight and, and you've never given Jesus lordship of your life, just ask you to slip up that hand. I'd like to pray for you. And maybe you're in this place tonight and you knew Jesus at a time. You gave your life to him. But the things of this world and situations pulled you away. If that's you tonight, I'd like to pray for you as well. It says, Jesus desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving your life for me. I thank you for taking my place. I know I'm not perfect, but you are. And Jesus, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and that if I believe that, if I truly believe that, I'm saved. Dear Lord Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand.